Okay, good evening, everybody. Uh, let's get going over here. So we are up to uh, the 11th chapter of the Sefer Bovavi Mishkan Evna, which we are going through to build our personal relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And yes, and last week, we ended off by discussing that really the foundation that each of us must start with to build our and understand our personal relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu is that to notice and to realize and to know every 15 minutes that the my relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu ultimately is what I should be focusing on and is what's good for my own personal growth. How to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how we do that individually, we haven't even yet discussed. We haven't touched upon that yet. But this, the foundation of the of the building that each of us have is the same start and the same goal, okay? We have the same foundation, which is we have to know and know and know and know and drive this into our hearts that that the, the goal of everything is kirvas Hashem, is ways to come closer to Hashem, and that also is the goal of life. The closer I can feel to Hashem in this world, the more... That the closer I can get to him in my long-term investments, in my long-term deposits, both in this world and in Olam Haba, in the next world as well. So today we begin by by uh, reiterating that idea and building off of that idea as well. Okay, so here we go. Says the Bovadi. Chapter 11. Before we clarify the goal of a human being in our world, in our personal world, again, focus on this word. It doesn't say what's the goal in the world. It's the question is what's the goal in our personal world? Because as we know, the same way the Torah stands on three things, the, the, I'm sorry, the same way the Olam, the world, stands on three things, Torah, Avodah, and Gemilas Chasadim, as the Mishnah tells us, so too every human being stands on three things. We need to have Torah, we need to have Avodah, and Gemilas Chasadim, right? We can't sit there in our own corner and, uh, you know, cracking a book. And when somebody comes for tzedakah or asks for a favor, oh, I'm busy learning, I'm not available, right? Uh, that's It's a nice thing to learn Torah, but if we're a one-legged world, a one-legged chair can't stand. It's not going to last. We need to be rounded and uh, and well-balanced in our Torah, in our study of Torah, the Avodah, the relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and the Gemilas Chasadim. And, and that world's going to look unique and different for each and every one of us. So just notice this world. What is the purpose in his world, in my world? What is it? What is our personal purpose? Hakdamu So we've already written, we already mentioned the idea that we have to try to remember our purpose throughout the day. To imprint ourselves, to imprint on ourselves, what is my purpose? Now I want to pause here for a moment and mention something very interesting about a Mishnah in Pirkei Avos. There's a Mishnah in Pirkei Avos that states that a person who forgets words of Torah is Chayov Benafsho. They're obligated for their spirits. A person who forgets, learns Torah and forgets, 
terrible thing. Seems like you're out. You're, you know, you're the one responsible for your own nefesh or forgetting the Torah. I forget things all the time, right? We forget things. I forget where I put my car keys. So why am I held accountable if I don't have a photographic memory or memorize every last thing? You know, there are some people they remember everything that happened in their lives since they're two. Three, four, five. I could barely remember uh, what happened yesterday. Okay? Different people's minds work differently. What we notice, what we remember. And there's there's pros and cons. We've said this many, many times. There's a lot of pros to memorizing things, but there's a lot of cons to being a little too uh, good in your memory. It's, it's very nice to be able to forget certain things. And it's actually a, a positive quality. It's not the worst thing to forget. You got to remember those things that are important. And that's really what we're picking up over here. When the Mishnah says that a person who forgets words of Torah is Mishayev Benafsho, so the commentators explain it doesn't mean a person who, you know, their mental capacity just can't remember everything. That's fine. That happens to everybody. That happens. You know when we're held accountable? When at the time that we learned it, we didn't give it enough importance to even aim to remember. Okay, we didn't even try to remember, and put it right here. Didn't even try to remember. Meaning, I tried at the time, but you know, I recall I was uh, staying at a town somewhere in somebody's house, and I got there like two o'clock in the morning. So in order to get in, there was a code, and I was driving. I couldn't write down the code. I remember that code because if I don't remember their code, I'm sleeping in my car. Okay, it's like okay, I get it. One and five together, then the three and the two, and then you push the five again. Or, you know, And then in my head, I'm going over. I'm like, all right, this is important. I'm going to remember that. When something is important enough to remember, we'll usually try and strive to remember. This is what the Bovavi is telling us. And that is this concept, this idea that we're talking about of kirvas elokim, of remembering that the closeness to Hashem is the purpose of life is really wrong to forget that because it has to be so important to us that we're continuously striving. It's so important to me. I'm going to remember it the same way. I need to remember that code. Listen, if I can't remember, I can't remember, but it needs to be important. That's the, that's the focus. That's the idea that he's bringing in over here, that it needs to be it needs to be important, okay? So therefore, we should constantly remind ourselves, keep these words in our pocket, remind ourselves, read from the, the paper, so we'll always remember this goal. Why? Why am I doing this? What am I doing? Trying to come closer to the Rabbonu Shalom. Therefore, now that we explained the purpose in came, therefore, we got to do things that will remind us of the importance of this. Do things that will remind us. How we get, How do we remind ourselves the importance? By reviewing it and putting it into our psyche over and over, and to work to remember this throughout the day. Not to remember only when we wake up. Not to remember it only when we walk into a warm home. Not to only remember it but to, to, that it should be on the forefront of our minds. Every few minutes, it should be part of our consciousness. And he's going to give us a parable. How does this work? This knowledge happens to be life. What does that mean? 
It says, I'll give you a parable. Nathan Marshall Adover. Adam Olagabe. Somebody climbs up a tree. Looks like fun. And you're hanging out on a branch. The Pesah suddenly, all of a sudden the branch you're sitting on falls, uh, breaks, and starts to fall. What are you going to do? What do you do? You immediately grab onto the trunk. All right, no, I'm hugging the trunk now. Because I love the trunk? No, because I love myself. And I don't want to get hurt. Right? I, I don't want to fall down. In like, and if you don't grab onto the trunk, chas v'shalom, God forbid, who all leap over lumbus can fall down. <laughs> Worst case scenario, a person could pass away. Are you sitting there on top of the tree? Am I sitting there on top of the tree holding onto the trunk? Yeah, I know. I know what's going on. I know. I know there's a tree. I know there's me. That's not, that's not, it's not a matter of knowledge then. I understand my entire essence is dependent on this. Why am I alive? Because this tree is protecting me right now and I need to make sure that my bond with the tree doesn't break. If you forget, if he forgets that he needs to hold on to this tree, according to nature, you're not going to hold on. God forbid, that's called Chayev, God forbid, he's putting himself into tremendous danger. What's the parable? What's, what's the message of this parable? Chapter 12, here's the message. We have to realize our lives are dependent on this knowledge that everything, my, my entire essence needs to have, God needs to have Hashem in the forefront of my mind. Opposite my eyes, I have to know this with a basic knowledge, with simplicity. I am here to build a relationship with Hashem. That's what I'm doing here. That's my goal. Every time I walk out the door of my home, I have a sign on my door. I don't. But this is something that, you know, that as if we should be, sign, where are you going? What are you doing, right? Where are you headed? Is this gonna is this is this part of your relationship with Hashem? The answer is yes, of course. It's part of my relationship with Hashem. When I'm going shopping within my relationship with Hashem, that's so I have God with me. It's not, it's not not it's not just something that's on my mind. I understand that my entire life, as Kochiuso, my entire essence is dependent on this relationship. Hashem is my tree. Guess what? Even before I know how to come close to Hashem, I don't know how yet. I'm not sure how. But before we know how, we have to keep building up this concept in our minds. We have to realize and place into our psyche my Essence depends on this awareness that I am here to come close. I don't know how to do it, but I know as soon as I figure this thing out, as soon as I learn the how, this how is going to be everything to me. Which, by the way, is why on the Aron Kodesh of our shul, okay, we had the uh, merit 
and this, this, we're going to continue on the next paragraph with this. But we have the merit of a few years ago having uh, Mrs. Diane Rich, uh, who's a uh, uh, wonderful at making this world beautiful. So she sewed and put together a beautiful Aaron Kodesh, okay? A, a beautiful uh, parochas. I think David's just logging on now. Beautiful uh, cover of the ark in Shul. And on top of the parochas, it says, that this is a tree of life for those who uphold it. My, some of us are familiar with that verse. The Torah and God is the, is the tree of life for those who grab hold of it. Why was that verse chosen? Because of this idea that to have in front of our eyes and to remember that a tree is something that need that you know if, if you have a ship that sinks and you have a log that falls off of the ship and the person's out in the ocean you're gonna hang on to that log for dear life that's this is really how we're supposed to view our connection with Hashem let's move on to the 13th chapter like we've been saying the tree of life is to cling to God, God forbid we don't cling. Let's talk for a minute. There's two trees side by side. Two trees side by side. 200 feet tall. Redwood humongous trees that look exactly the same. One tree is alive and one tree is dead. How do you know? They look the same. What defines a tree as dead? The answer is lack of production. When the tree stops producing, it's dead. When a tree is producing, it's alive. Which is why you could have somebody who's 113 years old and is a lot more alive than a 19-year-old. Because if somebody's sitting there at a, what we call a younger age, if you have a, a person in their teens, a person in their 20s, a person in their 30s, 40s, 50s, right? And we're just sitting there like a tree, not producing. It's a lack of production. What are we doing? And you have somebody who's what the world refers to as older because their body has an older age. But really in Torah, they're a lot younger. In the world of God, they're a lot younger. They're more alive. They're producing. They're doing something. There's productivity. Whether the productivity is from sometimes at certain stages of our lives is very important. Sometimes certain stages of our life, productivity to the world is to be the to be the giver. And sometimes productivity to the world is to allow others to produce for us, to be a source of others' production. If somebody's laid up in a hospital, God forbid, laid up in a hospital bed, a broken leg, something went wrong internally, an organ, and now in the hospital. So we feel sometimes, oh. I can't handle this. I'm so used to taking care of everybody else. Now people need to take care of me. 
actually what's happening is by other people taking care of us, we are a source of bringing goodness to the world. Because if I wouldn't be, I had to break my leg so other people could do chesed in the world. I prefer not to be here. I'm not used to being in this position. I don't like this. But that's also productivity. Because the world is producing through me, just in a different way. I'm not used to being, I'm not used to having the production come about this way. I'm used to being the one who's who's uh, creating the production. But it's the same production. There's holiness that's coming to the world by allowing others to help me in this particular situation that I'm in. We just need to create a mind shift. It, it, it's a mind shift. I remember uh, um, a few years ago, I've said this a couple times at the Shabbos morning parshish here, but a few years ago I was feeling like I was in a uh, a little bit of a rut, a little bit of a rut with my, with my growth in Judaism and my relationship with Hashem. And I felt like the job, I'll call it, of being a rabbi became a job. I don't. I usually don't feel it's a job, right? It's fun. So you get to learn Torah and do chesed, and and you get a salary. It's a lot of fun, right? So uh, you get paid to do mitzvah. So life can't get any better. But sometimes you can get into a rut. You'd be like, you know, what am I? Am I producing? What's going on? And there was a certain time where I felt like. I was getting too involved in like issues and I really wasn't spending enough time on my own personal growth, my own personal learning. I was, you know, spending time with trying to, you know, dealing with different people and shalom and just issues. I was like, I called up my Rebbe, called up one of my Rebbe and I said, you know, I'm, I'm in a rut. I'm in a rut. I'm not feeling good about, where I'm, where I'm going, how things are going, where I'm headed, and just you know, overall in general, with this whole, with this whole uh, role of being a rabbi, this whole role. Um, he said, "Why?" I said, "I, I just feel like it's I, I'm not, I, I'm not growing. I'm not growing spiritually." So he told me, "You only think there's one side of the tablets." That was his response. What does he mean? So I picked up what he meant. The first five of the Ten Commandments are, I am God, don't have any other God, don't have any other keep Shabbos, fear your parents. All of those five, including respecting one's parents, discussion how it falls onto this category, those five have to do with my relationship with Hashem. That's between me and Hashem. The second side of the tablets, don't kill, don't steal, don't be unfaithful, don't be jealous, right? All those things are interpersonal. Is the first side more important than the second side? No. Our sages teach us actually the opposite. In last week's Parsha, interestingly, in last week's Torah portion, Parsha's Yisro, if you look, we read the Ten Commandments. If you look at the Ten Commandments, the verses of the first five of the commandments are very long. It's 90-something words. If you look at the second, 
side. Don't kill, don't steal, like 15, 20 words. You know what that means? Picture the tablets. The entire, all the entire verse was written on the tablets. Picture the tablets. They were equal. On one side of the tablets, on the right side, the words that are between man and God, the words were much smaller. Because in order for the tablets to be the same, that means it had to equal out. So the the the, the verses of the Beinadam Lechaviru, the interpersonal side, the second side, the words, which are so much less, had to be so much bigger. Those words were bold and in our face when we received the Ten Commandments. The Wazi man and God, where the words were much smaller, also wouldn't fit equally, you know? So the, the ones between man and God, Hashem is giving us a message with this, to take the interpersonal relationship seriously. But here's what my Rebbe told me. He said, Menachem, you're a fool to think that because you're involved with this, this thing going on in the community, this person, that you think that's not growth, you're just in a different stage. There's going to be a certain time of your life where your growth, your growth is going to come through sitting in front of a book. Primarily. We always need a study, that's for sure. We need to be educated. But sometimes we're going to, it's going to come primarily from the first side. And sometimes it's going to come from the second side. And it's during those times where we have to work on our character traits, to remain patient, to remain firm, to keep working at something, even though it seems like, when's this going to end? Like, I can't hit. That struggle of having to deal with people or situations we don't want to deal with, that is also spirituality. That's also connecting to Hashem. We can't separate the two. And it, it just put a whole new perspective for me. It just it, it changed my viewpoint on, I thought that this th these things were pulling me away from coming closer to Hashem. I can't learn as much. I'm not spending as much time preparing. I'm not, eh, classes and But his message to me was, no, that, that's an incorrect viewpoint. That's incorrect. Ruchnius when I have to deal with a family member who's getting on my nerves, a situation that is not easy to keep shalom, do whatever, whatever it may be, and I either keep my mouth shut, I don't say hurtful words that I wanted to say, that is me connecting with Hashem. That's, that's something which is, uh, which is godly. Okay. Back to this, uh, back to this idea that we're focusing on. So this, these words of of clinging, but clinging to the words of Torah and realizing it's our life, really applies to every instance that we are put that we are put into to to hold on to it as if our lives depend on it. And how do we get onto this discussion? How do we get onto this topic? Because we were mentioning the difference between two trees that look alike. One's alive and one's dead because one's producing and one's not producing. We have to remind ourselves what productivity is. Sometimes we're producing and we don't even know. We feel like I'm not producing. People are helping me. People are taking care of me. I'm involved in them. If the world is becoming better, holier, because I need to be helped now, I'm bringing good to the world. That is also productivity it's also productivity 
and actually we also get reward. We also get schar for uh, allowing uh, allowing that to happen as well. Okay, one more paragraph for today. Here we go. We need to think about these words and contemplate them. To put these words deeply inside of our hearts. To involve ourselves, to think about it. We're dealing right now with the essence of a human being. You will, cle- you will cling to Hashem. And now you are alive today. When we are clinging, then it's Chayim Kuchim, we're alive the whole day. The moments that we're not clinging to Hashem and we're not producing, that's not, that's not called alive. That's not called alive. It's when we're connected to our source. When we're producing, for me, closest to Hashem is good. Everything that humanity and society tells us is good. It is absolute foolishness and worthless. Let's take these words inside of us. There's really no other truth besides for Kirvas Hashem and Dvekas Bashem. There's no other truth. There's a whole thing going on now with Bitcoin. Okay? These Bitcoins are worth close to $50,000 each Bitcoin. Okay? Skyrocketed recently. What's going on with the Bitcoin? So I, I talked to, I mean, I'm not so in on what's going on, but I'm aware of what's happening. Very interesting, and there are so. I was having a conversation the other day with somebody who deals with investments. Or he says, Oh, the whole thing's just a scam, it's a scam. Some random guy in China started this thing, it was didn't mean anything in 2008 or 2009, and now all of a sudden. So I said to him, All right, you, you know, investments, I don't, but let me ask you, what's not a scam? What's not a scam? You want to say you want to say this is a thing. What makes what gives value to anything? Who decided that gold is valuable? Well, gold's been valuable forever. Okay, since when? Since somebody decided that they want it. So as soon as people want that, they'll pay for it. As soon as they don't want it, they won't. Nothing really has value. If, if there was so much, if the roads would be paved in gold and diamonds, nobody would care. Like literally, like everything would be nothing. Gold would become valueless and diamonds would become valueless because it's there. It's available. Nobody needs it. As soon as I don't need it, nobody's going to pay for it. So what value does it have? Zilch. Nothing. There is no truth to anything. In this world, we need to live. Money could buy you conveniences; it can. But the the intrinsic value is not there. It's just relative. 
All value is relative. It's not objective. It's subjective. It's subjective. Because we want it, it has value. If I don't want it, objectively, it really has no value. What truthfully has value, says the Bovavi, he says, listen, the only thing we're really left with is our relationship with Hashem. At the end of the day, you want to put value on something? So you have Torah, and you have, a, you have God, you have HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and, and that's, where the, that's where the value comes in. He says, even the mitzvot, listen to this, Bechol Tariq Mitzvot, the 613 commandments, is that the goal? No. What's the goal of the 613 commandments? Even things that have value, such as a mitzvah, has a greater purpose as well. What's the mitzvah? It's a means for me, by me performing a mitzvah, it's a means for me to reach this goal. That's what a mitzvah is as well, to bring me closer to this truth, to bring me closer to Hashem. He's reiterating, we're going to have to find a path, how to get there. We're going to have to find a method, how we're going to take this to heart and what we're going to do. But let's keep focusing on gaining clarity and the importance of this. Everything that we have, all of our actions, whether it's physical actions or spiritual actions, what are they meant for? They are vessels, the to cling to Hashem. And now he's going to start bringing us on the actual path. And he's going to say, the way to cling to Hashem is going to be through what the Torah tells us. He's ending off the paragraph like that. A little bit of a cliffhanger, but with, but with a path. Okay, with a couple words of he's starting to lead us in a direction. We know we're getting into our psyche. The importance, the goal, how we're going to do it, and what's going to lead us down their path. This path is going to come through um, understanding and internalizing the messages of of uh, the Torah. Okay, educating ourselves through Torah. It ends with with, uh, with uh, the paragraph ends with this idea, but um, we'll pick up from the next paragraph next week, um, God willing. To end off on this point, there's a very very interesting. Medrash, okay? The Medrash says like this. The Medrash states that Yaakov and Esau, Jacob and Esau, I think that's how they say his name. Yaakov and Esau, these twins, right? You have the twins of, of uh, Isaac and Rivka, Rebecca. They have, they have twins. There's a Medrash that tells us that inside the womb, inside the womb, they made a deal. They made a deal. Yaakov told Esau, you can have all the physical things. I don't need it. But I get all the spiritual things. I want to get Olam Haba. You have the tendency, you're going to make your decisions to focus on, on this world and have all, you know, whatever you want to, whatever you want to store up and take whatever you want. Gesundheit, hey, you can have it. You take the Olam Hazah, I take the Olam Hazah. That's the Medrash told us they made a, they, they, they shook on it, so to speak. Yeah, they made an agreement. So listen to what happens. The Torah tells us, yeah, they're now in their 80s, and Yaakov is returning with his family after being with his, in his father-in-law, Lavan's home, Laban's home, right? 
And the Torah portion of Vayishlach starts out, Yaakov sends messengers to Esau, his brother. All these gifts, hundreds and hundreds of animals that try to calm him down to hopefully Esau won't start a war with him. They finally meet up. They finally meet up. The first thing that Esau says to Yaakov is chapter 23, verse 8. Parak Lamed Gimel Pasuk Chasim Bereshis. Parsha Vayishlach. Says the Pasuk. Vayomer. Esau says to Yaakov, Mi lecha hamachene hazeh. Who is this camp to you? Asher pogoshti that I'm encountering. Vayomer. And Yaakov responds, Limtso chen be'ine yadoni. To gain favor in my master's eyes. Okay? That's the conversation. Now, if you just read the art school translation, it seems pretty straight up. Esau's like, hey, Yaakov, who are all these people? What's going on? You know, they're my nephews and nieces and my sister-in-laws. Tell me their names. Never met them before. You know, I'd love to get to know them. That's what it seems. And Yaakov says, yeah, it's, you know, everything I sent you and all these animals that I have, I just want to get along with you. But the Mepharshim tell us otherwise. Listen to how the Mepharshim explain the verse. Esav meets Yaakov. Yaakov just sent him hundreds and hundreds of animals as for his diplomatic relations. Yeah, he's trying to avoid a battle. He meets Esav. He bows down to Esav. Esav says to him, What right do you have to have thousands of animals, four wives, 12 children, money beyond anything you can imagine, he had thousands of goats. He had all these things that he had earned up in his father-in-law's home. We had a deal. What are you doing with all these this physical things? We shook in the womb. You should be sitting, cracking over a Talmud, open up a Chumash, and I should be the one with all this. Come on, brother. Vayomer and Yaakov responds, Limtso I have it to find favor in the eyes of my masters. He's really not talking about Esav. He's talking about God. Yaakov is telling Esav, I don't have this world. I have a lot of money. I'm blessed with a family. I'm blessed with a lot of things. But I use it to find favor in the eyes of my master. And therefore, I am holding up to my end of the deal. If Hashem decides, if my master, if God decides that this is what I should have to come close to him, so everything that you see in your physical eyes is really incorrect. This is spirituality. Me having all this is spirituality. This is not physicality. Meaning, there's nothing wrong. We know that in Yiddishkeit, in Judaism, we don't frown upon physical things. If Hashem sends me something, it's to use appropriately. It's to use properly. That's it. It's not physical anymore. It's a, it's a tool to bring me closer to Hashem. You, Esau, still have your stuff. You're choosing to keep, keep it in this world and to use it for your own purpose. Fine. I can't, I can't do that. But if Hashem gives me something because I need it to come closer to Him, you can't have a claim against me for having it. Because it must be, this is what I need to come closer. And that's what we're saying at the end of this uh, paragraph 14 
when we say that everything that exists, both in physical and spiritual, even the physical things are really meant to be changed and utilized in a spiritual way. And we'll uh, hold the class part of it here for now. We'll open up if anybody has a, a chat or a conversation to uh, that they'd like to add something to a question, please, uh, please feel free to ask. Otherwise, we will uh, just end uh, the session in um, a few moments. If anybody wants to unmute themselves, you may. I think I made it possible to unmute. I think I did. Okay. No questions. All right. Have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos, everybody. Have a wonderful night. Uh, hope to see uh, everybody soon in Mirza Show. All the Thank best. you very much. Very Pleasure. Pleasure. Great Thank Thanks, Rabbi Tendler. Bye-bye.